respected brands in all of student media. You are listening to KCLU Columbia 88.1 FM, a free service of MSA GPC. Welcome back to another great edition of K&C Sports here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia online at kcou.fm wherever internets are sold. Um, So Cole is my good friend and my name is Kyle Jones. And we're gonna we're gonna be talking about a whole lot of good stuff today, Cole. Um, and we got a special guest today. He's not here right now. He's coming in a little bit later. Our good friend Turner is gonna be coming in. So uh, definitely a whole lot of a whole lot of reasons to stay tuned today. Cole, you got anything you want to start with? Um, you bring up the special guest, and that's one thing I'm looking forward to. We should be able to have some uh, great conversations. Turner is one of our good friends, and he also is has his own show on KCOU Sports already. It is called Undrafted, so this should be a great time later on. Definitely, definitely. So we're going to take a short break here. When we come back, uh, we're going to start out recapping a, a weekend full of crazy football. Texting while driving is more than distracting. It's dangerous. Do yourself a favor. Do us all a favor. When you're on the road, stay off the phone. A message from CTIA, America's Wireless Companies, and the National Safety Council. Look around you. One in four kids in the U.S. faces hunger. It's not always easy to see the signs, but in this land of plenty, there are kids that don't know where they will get their next meal. 
Join Share Our Strength in Food Network and take the pledge to end childhood hunger here in America by 2050. Learn how at nokidhungry.org. Their next meal could come from you. And welcome back to KNC Sports here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. So, Cole, let's let's start out talking about college football. A um, couple of big games that you know might have you know been surprising. Uh, do you have any that you want to talk about first? Well, I think we should. Um... We'll definitely talk about the Mizzou versus Wyoming game, but I think we should first start off with, I know, a game that lies heavily on you, the Clemson A&M, especially how it ended. That ending was so garbage. A&M got messed over by the stupidest rule in college football. I absolutely hated it. And and the, the problem is the, the ball was clearly to the left of the pylon. So it was clearly, it should have been, the, the Aggies should have had a first down on like the three, right? In that situation, they still have both their timeouts, right? Odds are they score on that drive. And if they don't score a touchdown, at the very least, right, they get a field goal. So they're within like, I think at that point, they would have been within five. With two timeouts, and just over two minutes left, if I'm doing my math correctly, right? If you remember, after the bogus ruling on the fumble, Clemson had the ball at 25, and A&M stopped them immediately. I mean, they went they went three and out, punted away, and then A&M drove down the field and scored. So my theory, right? My theory is that had the had the referees not been full of crud, then the Aggies would have been able to stop Clemson on the ensuing drive after whatever score they got, right? Drive down the field once again, and then they could score, and that would be the game. And I'm telling you right now, the Texas A&M Aggies fully deserved to beat the number two ranked team in the nation. They deserved wholeheartedly to beat Clemson. Kellen Mond had a night, man. 23 for 40, which might not seem very good, but, you know, 430 passing yards and three touchdowns last on, on Saturday night. Like, that's just insane, right? I'm, I am just astounded. That that ended the way it did. I'm very. I was very mad about it. Uh, if you guys aren't aware, Clemson, uh, the number two ranked team in the nation, who were a huge favorites going into it, and I know you admitted it as well. And somehow, I mean, I wasn't even expecting AM to pull off a game like that and get within two and almost win the game. I certainly wasn't expecting that. Oh, I thought they were going to get within a touchdown. I even said that last year. I said that the, the Aggies are going to keep this thing close. They might they might just lose by a touchdown. Um, but, you know, so, so I would have been okay with a close loss to Clemson in any other situation. But the fact of the matter, right, is that the Aggies, like, totally deserved to win this game. If you look at the matchup, Clemson had 14 downs and A&M had 25. Yeah, 
I mean, the the first down, the the 14 first downs to 25 first downs is crazy. Anim had almost 100 more yards uh, in total. Um, they had less penalty yardage. Uh, they had more time of possession. I mean, this was Texas A&M's game. And I'm not going to say it was their game to lose because they were a clear underdog. So it should not have been this close. But, like, oh, my gosh. I mean, when you look at the quarterback matchup, look at Mon versus Bryant. Bryant went 12 for 17 with 205 yards and one touchdown. Mon went 23 for 40, like you were saying before, 430 yards and three touchdowns. So Mon clearly had the better game than Bryant. It's just, it's so unfortunate, right, that, that, that you know, that it had to go down like that. I am so mad about it. Which, I mean, I guess... You know, suffice to say, as as an Aggie, you know, growing up, I guess I have a little bit of a right to be mad, but I shouldn't be because this is football, right? But at the end of the day, I'm 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 still pretty pissed off about this one. I mean, I also uh, was pretty frustrated about a game that holds heavily on me. USC losing to Stanford badly. Yeah, but see, y'all, USC got USC got thoroughly smacked. It wasn't like y'all had the game. And it got quote unquote fumbled out of the back of the end zone. Like I'm putting the I'm putting the fumble out of the back of the end zone in quotations because it went to the left of the pylon. I will I will proclaim that till my dying day. I mean a few bad coaching calls and when you have USC and Stanford, two California rivals, two Pac twelve rivals, and how USC show up against Stanford it was kind of underwhelming a little bit, to be honest. I mean, yeah, USC should have done a whole lot better. I don't care if you're playing at Stanford. Like, USC needed to show up, and they really didn't, and that's concerning, especially if you're in, if especially if you're a USC fan. You want to know what else is concerning? I'm just kind of looking at the different scores from around college football. Ball State was within, let's see, 16 plus... Six is 22. So Ball State was within eight points of Notre Dame. It was in Notre Dame, right? It, it, was, it was at Notre Dame. The score was 16 to 24 at the end. Notre Dame won, but you should be beating the tar out of teams like Ball State if you're Notre Dame. Especially when you're in South Bend. So I guess that does cause some concern, but once again, it is early in the season, so... Teams probably haven't found yep. the rotations yet, and then we had a we had a, a classic case of a, a you know Pac Pac twelve after dark magic uh, happening on Saturday. Uh, Arizona State <laughs> pulling this serious upset over fifteenth ranked Michigan State, and, and did did we or did we not call that? I'm I, pretty sure we did. I think we did because I was saying like before how. Pac-12 and Big Ten conferences play completely different. Big Ten's more grounded. Arizona State's more fancy-like with more flashy passes. So I think we did call it, but like Arizona State being Michigan State, man. A huge development, if you ask me. I was, you know, I, I saw that. I watched the the tail end because I was I was up, and, you know, I just, there's no, nothing else to watch. The AM game was over, so I turned on that one. And holy cow, like, you know, Arizona State pulling just, you know, game of their lives, really. 
But um, another one I think that we need to pay attention to between two teams that in any other situation we would we could care we could not care less about. But uh, because the because the Tigers because Mizzou is playing Purdue next week in Purdue, uh, we actually have to care. Um, Purdue lost to Eastern Michigan, twenty to nineteen. It's their second loss of the season, second in a row. Both of them at home, so they're zero two at home. Tigers are going to march into West Lafayette on Saturday. So, and, and we can we can break this down a little bit more later, especially when Turner shows up. But uh, initially, just you know, in in a word, are the Tigers going to win on Saturday? It's yes or no question. It's, I think it's difficult to say honestly because yes, Purdue lost to Eastern Michigan in Purdue. Purdue's zero two. They started off the season pretty poorly. Mizzou is two and zero. They're riding hot right now with Drew Locke went with the Heisman talks and everything. This should be a winnable game, but you have to remember last year Purdue had the Tigers number. I mean, you could argue this is a completely different team than last year. Plus, Purdue is like 7-0, 8-0 against Mizzou, so this would be first win in franchise history for the Tigers. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll break it down further. Yeah, yeah. So, we'll, we'll definitely delve into that more. Uh, but that was just, I saw that scoreline and immediately thought, holy cow, Mizzou has a serious chance of starting the season 3-0, which would be just unthinkable. It would be great momentum wise heading into what's going to be the toughest stretch of the season you know South Carolina Georgia Alabama um in the in the weeks coming at, coming up after the uh after the Purdue game I there's there's an argument that the Tigers might even lose all three of those games so you need the three wins to start out but we'll, we'll, we'll go in, we'll go into that later I'm I'm getting I'm getting ahead of ourselves um Colorado State beat Arkansas. See that? I did not. They were in Colorado, so I mean that's kind of like you know, not saying much, but like you know, it's it's always interesting. It's always nice to see uh, Kansas and Arkansas lose. Um, just from a standpoint of someone who dislikes both of those schools profusely, um, but you know, and then I think your uh, your your classic case of an FCS school beating a Division One school. Um, Western Kentucky, you know, you know, the, the, the big red or whatever the heck they're called. They got, they got the, the red equivalent of the Hamburglar as their mascot. They lost to Maine 31 to 28. I think they're the Hilltoppers. I, I believe that's their, their mascot. They're the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, but they lost to Maine. That's, that's pretty good for Maine. Wouldn't you say? I would say so. Why not? I mean, yeah, it's, you know, you're, you're coming up. And yeah, I'm I'm good for them. Um, and then rice rice got smacked by Hawaii. So sad day for my owls, but that's okay. That is okay because you have H one against Arizona. And did you hear uh, the the kind of storyline surrounding that? I did not know. So uh, Arizona's coach right is is Kevin Sumlin. Kevin Sumlin used to be the coach of Texas A&M, right? But before that, he was the coach of U of H. So this was kind of, and he, he left U of H for A&M kind of, you know, he, he, he made it, he made U of H almost a force and then left. 
And so a lot of Cougar fans were really pissed about it, right? So for them to travel, not even travel, for them to play Arizona at home and absolutely demolish them, 45 to 18, you know there's a whole lot of Cougars who were very, very happy about that result. Um, But I think... uh, as I, as I look for maybe one or two more interesting score lines to talk about, there's not much. I mean, everything, you know, there, there, were, there were no huge, you know, incredibly huge upsets aside from, like, Arizona State this week. What about Kentucky-Florida? Yes! Oh, my gosh. How, how can I forget that? Oh, wow. That was huge. Um, and it's got me scared to play Kentucky. Um initially, I, I was not afraid for Mizzou playing Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky usually sucks, right? But they they went into the swamp. Like, it's one thing to beat Florida in Kentucky, but they did it in the swamp. I'm legitimately scared. You know, I think that I think that's a that's a game that the Tigers could very well lose. Um, but you know, let's let's cap this off with some good news. Uh, Delaware, uh, <laughs> University of Delaware goes out and beats Lafayette thirty-seven nothing. So uh, a good day for the Blue Hens. Uh, it's my girlfriend's school, so I have to give them a shout out. <laughs> but we're gonna take a short break, and uh, when we come back, we're gonna talk about professional football. So stick around. KCOU would like to thank the School of Missouri Contemporary Ballet for their support. At 110 Orr Street, the School of Missouri Contemporary Ballet offers professionally taught classes in genres ranging from classical ballet to jazz. Right now, for just $30, teens and adults can try unlimited open classes for two weeks. For more information, check them out on Facebook at School of Missouri Contemporary Ballet or on Twitter and Instagram at School of MCB. That's School of MCB. The skills you can develop as a soldier in the Army National Guard can give you an edge in the high-tech job market of tomorrow. The Guard offers career training to take advantage of your skills in science, technology, engineering, and math that can help give you a leg up to a high-paying and rewarding STEM profession. Get a head start on your career while earning money to pay for college. Log on to NationalGuard.com to learn about all of the STEM career opportunities in the Army National Guard. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association at this station. And welcome back to KNC Sports here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia, online at kcou.fm. And um, my name is Kyle. I'm joined by my good friend Cole Tusing. And Cole, we had an interesting week in the NFL, if I do say so myself. Now that now that Monday Night Football is done, we can actually officially wrap up the game week and start building to the next one. So what are your thoughts Um about what happened throughout the NFL. Well, we, um, if we're talking about the NFL, we can't uh, not talk about the uh, Bears-Packers game. <laughs> that was... I'm I'm prepared when, when Turner gets here, because I know how big a Bears fan he is. I know how big a Bears fan you are. You know, both of, y'all, both of you, you guys being from Chicago. As the neutral party, seeing one-legged Aaron Rodgers 
torch a fan base that has been for about the past week and a half raving about how good Khalil Mack makes the entire team and how just the addition of Khalil Mack is going to help y'all win the NFC, right? <laughs> to watch a one-legged Aaron Rodgers torch that defense was the funniest thing I've seen in my life. I laughed so hard watching that whole thing happen, and I didn't feel bad at all because so many people I know were just bragging the whole time. Oh, yeah, man, Klingelback and, Tre- and Trevathan and all these guys. You know, we have a great defense now, and you know, with Mitch Trubisky, we're going gonna, gonna, you know, to go to the Super Bowl. And, ah, right? And then not just Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers had a good day. Is a great quarterback, and you know, probably you know, rivals Brady is the greatest of all time. And it's like you know, this is undeniably great for us, right? You didn't get beat by two-legged Aaron Rodgers. You didn't get beat by a healthy Aaron Rodgers. You got beat by half of Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> like, how does what does that do to a Bears fan's ego? I'm staying silent. <laughs> That's what it does to my ego, man. It was the funniest thing. It's just like this whole time I've heard all this crap about how great Khalil Mack is. I mean, yes, he had a great first half, but like you got to play for the whole game, buddy. Right. And it's so to see Aaron Rodgers come back on one leg and beat and beat the beat the Bears was the highlight of my Sunday. <laughs> Especially, especially because Deshaun Watson played like absolute trash. And I started him in fantasy and I got my bum kicked by Turner. Like, he's probably going to give me heck for that today. But I don't care, man, because just watching his team get torched by a one-legged Aaron Rodgers makes it all better. So, if you guys are not following the Bears-Packers game, the Bears were up. 20 points. They're up 20 points. And then Rodgers went down injured with a with a leg injury of some sort. And then came back and uh, torched us in the fourth quarter and won the game. Yeah, 24 to 23. Bears only had three points in both the third quarter and the fourth after scoring 17 in the first half and keeping the Packers scoreless. Now, we'll say this. Trubisky... Was throwing some passes that were, like, questionable, but he definitely is a young quarterback. He has to uh, get better at his decision-making. I mean, so, so you got to give, give Mitch Trubisky some credit, right? Um, Mitch Trubisky was 23 for 35 for 171 yards, averaged 4.9 a pass, right? And, you know, you think that's, that's not too good. But then you realize, like, Jordan Jordan Howard had 15 carries for 82 yards, right? So they mixed up the uh, – they, they, they really did mix up the, the pass and the run there. I think had the, the trajectory that they set themselves on in the first half, had that continued, then we would have seen some phenomenal numbers from Trubisky. What I didn't realize um, until, we, until I was watching this game – is that uh, the Packers had given up on Brett Hundley? I thought that I thought that that was going to be you know when when I saw when I saw Rodgers go down, I was like, all right, it's Hundley time. Let's go. Let's see what he if he's improved from last year where he was decent, but he was never going to get him anywhere, right? But no, I'm sitting on I'm sitting on the couch in the lounge, and out comes Deshaun Kaiser. I was like, what in the world is this? And then he, he goes four for seven for fifty five yards. Like he had seven snaps, and he did really well. Like, props to Deshaun Kaiser. I'm really, I, I feel 
happy for him, you know? So, like, that that was just an, an interesting little, little tidbit. I was, I just, you know, he did fumble the ball and lose it. So there was that, you know, minor error. And he did throw an interception, right? But 55 yards on seven attempts, averaging 7.9, is not not too bad, you know? Take away the turnovers, that's a great night. And it's weird because as a Bears fan, I've lost to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers many, 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 many times. Yeah, it's like, and, it's, it's like a habit now. Yes. And it's either in like top, like competition like in the playoffs or something or in like the regular season. But this one hurt. Yeah. A lot. And, and it should. It, it should hurt because this was the Bears game to lose. In Lambeau, this was the first time in a long time that you could definitively say the Bears had a serious chance and should have won this football game. And they didn't. So I, we're we're gonna put that one on the back burner because I wanna I wanna torch I wanna torch Turner the same way I torched you when he gets here. So uh, keep yourself ready. So we'll move on to the rest of the games. Eagles beat the Falcons eighteen to twelve uh, in one of the most underwhelming football games I've seen in my life. Um, it was boring. It was dumb. Eagles won, so that's okay. But like, this should this should have been so much better. You know, um, Matt, Matty Ice with a 21 for 43 for 251. 21 for 43 is terrible, in my opinion. And for an NFL quarterback, for a college quarter, for, for a college quarterback, I, I can excuse that. But 21 for 43 in the NFL is terrible. Um, Jay Ajayi had 15 carries for 62 yards. Thank God he was like the best performer on my fantasy team, which is. Saying something terrible about my fantasy team, um, but yeah, I mean that that game was just boring. But how about the 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 most surprising result I think I've ever I've I've, I've seen in a very long time. Most surprising result: Steelers and Browns tying on opening day. And then did you did you see um the NFL came out today? And uh, and said, "Hey, we're sorry. The roughing the passer call on Miles Garrett." was an error. It should not have been roughing the passer. I did not see that, no. Yeah, so there's a, there's a strong argument to say that the Browns could have won this game against the Steelers. Like, what? Man, just... You don't even... Like, this is the... If I'm not mistaken, the last, like, this is considering a winning record for the Browns, and that hasn't this happened is, since, like, this is their or best. Something. This is their best start to a football season since 2004. Um, what a time to be alive. Um, I, I, I can no longer comprehend the fact that the, 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 rec- the record of an NFL team starts as 0-0-1. I hate the fact that the NFL does ties now. Frankly... This game deserved a winner, you know. Right. And it could it, it could have been either side. I mean, I I don't care. I'm not from either of those cities. I mean, I could give less of a crud. But the fact is, this was a football game that deserved a winner. You know, Browns. The Browns put together a fourth quarter comeback. The, those are those are words I never thought I'd I'd say out of my mouth. 
I never thought I would see the day where the Browns actually semi-successfully mounted a fourth-quarter comeback. But there we have it. They scored 14 points in the fourth after being down by 14. So, there you go. What in the world is going on? So, when you're talking about this game with tied with the Steers and the Browns, do you point the blame at Le'Veon Bell a little bit? Yes. Yes, I do. I think Le'Veon Bell could have, uh, could have you know, really helped this Steelers team. I think, I don't know if that's necessarily the straw that broke the camel's back, but I think if he was in there, the Steelers probably could have managed, you know, maybe a drive to get them in the field goal range or something like that. I'm not saying he's a whole touchdown's different, but at least you give yourself a, a better chance of winning when he's on the field. So, like that, just, you know, I, I do partially blame it on him. Not, not fully, but just a little bit. So let's just say the Steelers don't offer Le'Veon Bell a contract. Which NFL team would grab him then? Do you think? That's a really good question. Um, initially, I was gonna say the Rams, but I don't see anybody. I don't see any any space for him on the Rams. I mean, like they've already got a pretty good you know offensive core there. Um, my my dream, and it won't happen because. Bob McNair is an idiot, and the Texans don't sign good players. Is uh, is that he would go to the Texans because, well, we need him, right? Like D- Deshaun is Deshaun and DeAndre Hopkins are not you know not going to carry that whole team, and we saw that on Sunday. You know, like D- Deshaun Watson had a terrible football game. And he'll admit that to you. He actually did. In the press conferences afterwards, he, he wholeheartedly admitted, yes, I played like trash. Um, we need somebody like Le'Veon Bell who could bolster the team so that when Deshaun Watson does play like trash, we, you know, we don't have to worry too much, you know? Like the Texans have Lamar Miller, and he's good. I just think Le'Veon Bell's better. You know? So what do you think you saw out of the Tetsons against the Patriots? I saw a team that when they when they're on their day, they're they're the best in the one of the best in the NFL. They were not on their day, but it was a seven point game. Right? When you when you keep within seven points of the New England Patriots, when Tom Brady goes twenty six for thirty nine and Gronk has seven catches for hundred twenty three when you keep it within seven points and your quarterback is having a bad day, oh, buddy, oh, buddy, I cannot wait for Deshaun to have a good day. Ooh, man, that's a that's a Super Bowl winning team if he has a good day all, all the time. You get that consistency? Ooh, man, that's Super like... Super Bowl contending? Yes. Okay, listen, all right, this is the Pats, right? This this wasn't having, you know, an off day against, like, the Colts and losing by a touchdown. This was having an off day and losing to a team that has been to the Super Bowl, like, every year. Like, you know, b- both the past two years, you know, they're, they're literally in it almost every year. It's, it's you know, when, when you make your takes at the beginning of the season as to who's going to make the Super Bowl, saying that the Patriots will go back is never an like that's never a bad take. It's always a pretty safe bet, right? They're just that consistently freaking good. 
and the Texans were within seven on a bad day. Like, I'm excited for when Deshaun really gets things rolling. This team could be really good. Like, I'm talking really good. I don't think the Patriots are going to make the Super Bowl this year. I don't think they are either, but I think they I think they'll make the AFC Championship. I think they'll I think they'll get close. I think that's stretching it. Really? Yeah. Really? I just think some teams are going to after week 1, I think some teams are going to surprise you and we actually may not see the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, which that's should un- be a shock. That'd be un- that'd be unheard of. Um but moving on from that um, any any other big results that surprised you? The Buccaneers, uh, Buccaneers Saints. That was insane. Did you watch that game? I did not. No. Okay, so the Saints lost, right? The Saints lost, but on any other week, the score that they put up would have won them the game. They scored forty points. When I tell you an NFL team scored forty, what what does that make you think? That they won by like twenty or something. They lost forty-eight to forty. They lost by by a touchdown and a two-point conversion. They were like like it's just insane the fact that they put up forty points and still lost. Like I mean, credit the Buccaneers. Um, you know Ryan Fitzpatrick actually was a great quarterback. Twenty-one for twenty-eight. For 417 yards. Now, that is a stat quarterback stat right there. Holy cow. 21 for 28. 417 yards. Averaging 14.9 per throw. Had four touchdowns. No interceptions. Was never sacked. QBR of 97.1. Are you kidding me? This is not this is not, you know, Tom Brady we're talking about. This is not Drew Brees we're talking about. This isn't Aaron Rodgers or you know any of those guys. No. This is Ryan Fitzpatrick, a guy so crap that he could barely make the Jets roster. So are you buying into Fitz Magic? I mean, no, not at all. I I, I think this is a one I think this is a one hit wonder right here. It's gonna be this week and then it's a dud, right? If he does it next week, then yes, I'm all in. This is this it's magic time, baby. But frankly, James Winston does need to be a little bit scared of losing his starting job to a guy who like backed up Mark Sanchez. But you know that that, that was just, I, I I saw that and I could not believe it. We're gonna take a sh- another short break. When we come back, we're gonna continue talking about sports. Uh, we'll be back. This is your boy Rubik's. I got a message for all y'all out there. You find yourself with nothing to do from noon to two on Monday. Tune into my show, The Lounge at Lunch with Danny Bing. We got the freshest music and the hottest takes only on KCOU 88.1 FM or KCOU.FM. I don't see us. Last time I seen him was at the store in the spice side looking salty. I stepped out with some cold. From our days of recording in the basement of Kramer Hall. To becoming one of the most respected brands in all of student media. You are listening to KCLU Columbia 88.1 FM. A free service of MSA GPC. 
And welcome back to KNC Sports here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. My name is Kyle Jones. I'm joined by my good friend Cole Tusing, And we have just received some unfortunate news. Our good friend Turner will not be able to uh, to stop by. Um, it is a, is a, a Tuesday morning, but uh, he is he is worshiping the Church of the Holy Comforter on the uh, on the on the mattress of on the mattress of glory. So uh, we will we'll, we'll we'll let him sleep. We'll let him get his rest. He uh, he had a long day yesterday. He was caught up with some uh, uh, a mixture of microeconomics homework and a crippling depression of being a Bears fan. Um, so we'll let him get his rest. Sleep easy, buddy. We love you. But enough. <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna continue talking about football because football's great. All right. So I think we sh- we can't not talk about. Uh, Mizzou football going to the radio show. Right, yeah, obviously, obviously, we we, we we can't you know just gloss over that. But I want to, I want to, you know, let's stick with the NFL, close this out, and then we'll transition okay, back. So, um, I guess since he's since he's not here, we don't have to wait for him. Uh, do you want to break down the 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 Bears Packers game a little bit more, or will that give you a breakdown? Um, I sure I can do a little <laughs> bit more. So. Trubisky, like I said before, I think he had some overthrows, some okay decision-making, and he, similar to what you said about Deshaun Watson, he went on interview saying, this was not a good game for him, but you got to take it one game at a time, which I thought was a good thing to say. I mean, yeah, 29.5 QBR. That's ter- that's that's absolutely horrendous. 171 yards for 4.9 per throw. Like, I think we said before, 23 for 35 is not a good quarterback statistic. Right, like this, it's just not not a very good night. And you know, sometimes that's going to happen, especially for a guy who's as young as Trubisky. Sometimes you're just not. It's it's not going to go your way, you know. And I I think it's very it's a very mature of him to uh, to admit that yes, we we did have a we did have a a little bit of an issue there, you know. So props for him for saying that. Um, I found it interesting that um. Bears had four sacks and five uh, five tackles for loss, right? Khalil Mack was was account accounted for one of each in that column, um, but he as as a as a presence, he, he seemed like he was doing a whole lot more at least in the first half. Oh yeah, the first half. I don't think could have gone better for the Bears as a whole. Honestly, I mean, yeah, you you go up by seventeen points, um, and you're you're torching, you know, you're you're not let you're not letting Aaron Rodgers get a rhythm. You're not letting the Packers do anything on offense. I mean, they were held scoreless in that first half. You, you're right in saying that, that things really could not have gone much better for Chicago. In that first half, you had Khalil Mack with that pick six, uh, the 27-yard interception return. Like, that was great. Watching that was like, holy cow, man. Like, that was awesome. uh, Tariq Cohen had the punt return for 42 yards. Like, always got to be happy when your punt punt returner can get, you know, 42 yards out of his punts. Like, this, this was a team that really did do well. In the first half, and then one-legged Aaron Rodgers came on, and it all fell. It all fell apart, which is ironic that Aaron Rodgers on one leg wound up being better 
than Aaron Rodgers on two legs. And I, this is right. Um, so, so what do you think the idea that, you know, you have to rally around a guy, what do you think that did for the mentality of the Packers, right? Because if you look at it, Aaron Rodgers actually didn't have much better of a night than Trubisky. He was 20 for 30, right? 286 yards, averaged 9.5 a throw with three touchdowns, right? Got sacked twice for 19 yards. His sacks were actually more hurtful, right, than than Trubisky's. Uh, Trubisky had four for 16. Rodgers had two for 19. So yardage-wise, Rodgers actually lost more. So what do you you know what do you think about you know this idea of rallying rallying around um, Rodgers after he goes down? Do you think that changed the outlook for the bear for uh, for the pack? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, when you have a guy go down like that and still like muster up the courage to play and pull off a comeback like that, you have to uh, be happy as a Packers fan, but also rally around that kind of energy. Yeah, so I mean like it's a it's a big I just I was so surprised when when I when I was watching and I saw him go down, I was like, oh crud, well that's it, you know, twenty nothing already, you know, there's no there's really no chance. And then he comes back out and they win. Like it was the it was the craziest thing. Um but so that happened. Right? I'm I'm just, you know, so much of it is just insane. And of course, this is only week one, so there's there's plenty of time for every team to change their fate, to uh, to get better or to get worse. I mean, there's there's always it's always downhill from here. I mean, I I think for the Browns that's kind of the case. It's all downhill from here. But you know, it's just kind of crazy stuff. Did you see the Bills got torched. I did not know. Yeah, the Ravens beat the Bills forty-seven to three. Um, which is crazy. I, I, I knew the Ravens were going to win that. I picked them. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, this, this Ravens game. They're in Baltimore. Buffalo's not good enough to beat these guys. But I didn't think it was going to be a massacre. And then the Broncos beat the Seahawks by three, which, you know, erg. I picked the Seahawks. I thought they were going to pull that. Other than that, I mean, aside from a couple things, it was a pretty normal week in the NFL. Panthers beating the Cowboys, you know, can't be America's team if you don't win. And the Cowboys aren't America's team anymore, no matter what they tell you. I don't think America truly has a team anymore. There's nobody who we can actually truly rally around. It's just whoever's playing the Patriots that week. You know? That's whoever whoever's playing the Patriots that week, that's America's team. That's just how that's how football's working nowadays. Um But let's transition to uh to Mizzou and talk about everything that happened at that uh at that football game before we start um I mean if we want to look around other Mizzou sports Mizzou volleyball has been doing very well I don't know if you noticed that I don't know how much you've been paying paying attention to Mizzou volleyball but they've been they've been racking up wins um they lost to Ohio State but other than that they were on a serious winning streak um let me let me get the let me get the act, you know, the the true official statistics and all that good stuff. But they were, if I remember correctly, doing incredibly well. And they're back at the Hearn Center on Friday. We'll be broadcasting that game on KCOU dot 
FM, if I'm not mistaken. I know, I know, we're having because aren't you? Aren't you? Calling? I'm broadcasting the 10 a.m. on Friday, I, which I believe is the the Corpus Christi game. Yeah. They're playing so. There's so much stuff that they're doing this weekend. They're they're playing they're playing at 10 on. Uh, they're playing Corpus Christi at 10 on Friday. Then they're playing Ohio at seven, also on Friday, and then at 2:30 on Saturday. You know, since since we're not having a football game here in Columbia, they actually get to play. So they're playing Drake at 2:30. Like they they're playing all over the place, but um, they're seven and two on the season. Only losses are are from uh, James Madison and Ohio State, and those were if you look at their record, those were outliers. I mean, they've let's see how many how many three O's have they had? They've had one, two, three, four. They've had four. They had four matches where they won in straight sets. Mizzou volleyball is a force, man. I love watching them. They're really good. Um, and then Mizzou soccer won over the weekend as well, 2-0 over Gonzaga. So a good game for them. But let's get to the main event, which is uh, Mizzou football. Um, they won 40-13 over Wyoming, um, which is incredibly respectable. I think you got to be happy with the Tigers for that one. Uh, but what, what, did you, what did you see out of that game, Cole? I saw... This Mizzou team that similar to what we saw against UT Martin and offense that that's already set. Drew Locke, Damari Crockett, Alberto Goebanum. That's a great connection. The offense like pretty much scores pretty much every single drive against U- UT Martin and Wyoming. The defense looked good, honestly. I agree. I I mean so this is the second this is the second week in a row. That the defense has only held that the defense has held the other team to 14 points or less. UC Martin got 14, Wyoming gets 13. Like I know these are, you know, admittedly kind of crap schools with crap football teams. But you have to compare to last year how the season started for. Yeah, Missouri. like you, you look at you look at how you know most state put up like 50 or something like that, um, and then Purdue spanked. The, the Tigers at home like this this is a welcome change if you're a Tiger fan and you know that's just seeing them play you know at least halfway decent defense is nice just really nice um you know not too many there was there's two only two sacks which mirrors the UT Martin game there weren't too many sacks at the UT Martin game but seven tackles for loss for the Tigers you know so like that, that, that's that's what that's what the Tigers need. They need to, they need to you know rattle the quarterback. They need to you know really push quarterbacks to screw up, to you know make make them uncomfortable, and make you know make some mistakes. I mean, look at the offense. Uh, Mizzou had thirty three first downs. Wyoming had fifteen third down efficiency. Wyoming had three for fourteen. Mizzou fourteen for twenty five. I mean, yeah, I mean, fourteen for twenty. Yeah, fourteen for twenty on third downs, in my opinion, is great. That's almost that's almost making two thirds of your of your third downs. And Drew Locke went thirty three for forty five with four, almost pretty much four hundred yards and four touchdowns. No interceptions so far this season. Yeah, that's a welcome. That's a welcome change. And you know what else I've noticed? Not too many dropped passes. I think there was 
one drop pass Wyoming. There might have been one. I, I know there was but only... But that is true. There's not like sits, drop I, passes. I know there was only like two against UT Martin the week before. Like, it's a welcome change from last year where it was almost like every pass was in the hands of somebody and then popped out. Um, and that, you know, that's a, that's a combination of Drew throwing better passes and the receivers making better catches, you know? Emmanuel Hall's playing very well so far this season. Right, yeah, you gotta, gotta give props to him. Emmanuel Hall is doing really well. Um, Jonathan Johnson was seven receptions for 61 yards. Albert O finally had himself a receiving game uh, on Saturday. Uh, against UT Martin, he only caught like two passes and went for very minimal yardage. Went seven for 50 on Saturday. Demario Crockett, one for 32. And then Jalen Knox, the guy who I cannot wait to see this guy play. I love watching Jalen Knox play, man. Three for 27. He he he, um, he probably didn't get too much playing time. You know, he's he's playing behind both Emmanuel Hall and Jonathan Johnson. But, like, when he's on the field, this guy gets it done. Him and Nate Brown. Nate Brown was one for 27. Like, those two guys are young, and they are going to kick butt. Well, actually, Nate Brown's a senior, but um, but um, Jalen Knox, right? Jalen Knox is a freshman, and he's putting up numbers. He's from Manville, Texas, right? Man- Mansfield, yeah. Um, so, you know, not too close to where I, uh, to, to where I live, but, but close enough to where I can, you know, rep him as, as one of my, uh, one of my Texas guys, Cam Scott, who had a great game against UT Martin, didn't uh, didn't make any appearances against Wyoming. He is from Manville, which is all of maybe half an hour from my house. Um, like my high school didn't play them, but uh, I have friends who went to Manville for like friends from church and other stuff stuff like that. I went to Manville. So, like, I know, like, I could get you a, a full high school scouting report on this guy. Like, that's that's just how much, you know, that's how close I am to Mamble High School. All right, fair enough. So, we went, we talked about uh, the win against Wyoming. Now, it's talking about Purdue's loss to Eastern Michigan in Indiana. And that's that's huge from from the perspective of, of if, you're, if you're a Tigers fan. If you look at the numbers, right? Purdue is four for thirteen on third down, um, which is horrendous, frankly. Passing only one hundred thirty-five yards, which yeah, and they only had four hundred seventy-six total yards, and I, I'm I'm sure I'm sure that the Tigers can limit the run game a whole lot better than Eastern Michigan did, you know, especially if they're expecting it, which I'm I'm sure the Tigers would be expecting it. Out of its, you know, if you look at just how how Purdue's playing, if if you notice they're focusing more on that run game, the Tigers will definitely prepare for it. Let's look at the, you know, I don't want to just focus on Eastern Michigan. Let's go all the way back to the Northwestern game for Purdue. Um, so let's see, they. I'm gonna look at the box score, or actually the team stats rather. They were eight for fifteen on first down against Northwestern. Um, they they were pretty even in terms of passing and rushing yards. Uh, they had two seventy passing, two hundred two rushing. Um, how many penalty yards did they get against East, against Eastern Michigan? Um, seven penalties for eighty five yards. So this is this is a team that has a discipline problem. 
because uh, against Northwestern, they had nine penalties for 95 yards. That's almost a free touchdown there. That's almost 100 yards worth of penalties. So this is a team that needs to, you know, this, this is a team that needs to straighten the heck up. The top performer on Purdue against Eastern Michigan was DJ Knotts, which pretty much it seems like, looking at the two games, DJ Knotts pretty much runs the offense to running back. He had 21 carries for 152 yards and one touchdown, which... And against, against Northwestern, it was seven carries for 77, which is pretty, pretty good. Um, and they need that because uh, Elijah Sendelar, the quarterback, uh, eight for 30, 18 for 30 for 196 yards. Um, and then David Blau, the uh, the backup, 12 for 16 for 74 yards. They're not doing too well. Uh, so what? Well, let's let's look at the you know season statistics side by side right now. Um, Mizzou points per game 45 and a half. Uh, Purdue's only got 23 per game, albeit Purdue has you know admittedly played better opponents in Northwestern and Eastern Michigan. I mean UT Martin. And Wyoming don't compare to those two teams. But uh, Mizzou's only allowed 13.5 per game, as we mentioned. Purdue, on the other hand, 25.5. So defensively, Mizzou is very sound. Um, Mizzou's also only allowed 262 yards of offense. Only 91 uh, rushing yards allowed. Which, since that's what Purdue strives on, that's to... Gonna, that's going to be huge for the Tigers. If they can limit the rushing yards from Purdue like they have been for other teams this season. I mean, this is this could really be this could be a marquee game for the Tigers in terms of really setting up for the rest of the season trying to, you know, trying to get into a spot where they're not going to, you know, totally just eat it the whole the whole game, right? So, do you think the Tigers need to win this game? Yes, yes I do. Um, and here's my reasoning, right? Okay. After this game, you have number three, Georgia, at home. Then you travel to South Carolina, and then you travel to Tuscaloosa, right? There's a pretty good argument to be made that the Tigers are going to lose literally every one of those games. So, breaking even record three and three. Exactly. Exactly. There's there's maybe a slight argument that they might have a chance of being South Carolina, but honestly, like I, I don't, I don't see it. I, I don't see it. I, I think, I think we're gonna get, I think we're gonna get beat there. Um, but there's always hope. There's always hope. Always gotta be hope. But um, frankly, they, the Tigers need a third win before this stretch, simply so that they can have three wins and then be 0500 after this terrible stretch, and then they can go into the end of the season and you know they'll beat Memphis. They can. Maybe they can probably beat Kentucky at home. You know, I think I think with the way Florida is playing, you could probably beat Florida in the swamp. They'll beat Vandy at home. They could probably beat Tennessee. Tennessee's not that good. And then Arkansas at home. Like they So what I'm hearing is you're saying the Tigers can end the season nine and three. Yes. I think they can. At the at the beginning I thought that they'd be eight and four. I think that they could actually be nine and three by the end of the season. Um I th- I think Eight and four is maybe a little bit more realistic. I think maybe Florida might wind up being a loss. The the Tigers will after after Alabama, the Tigers will will lose a game they probably aren't supposed to. So eight 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 and four is probably a better estimate. They they might lose to either Florida or Kentucky. Um, but 
nine and three at this point in the season is not a tough ask, especially if they go out and they beat Purdue, which I think they will. What's really, and this is pushing it to heck. This is this would be absolutely crazy talk. Ten and two. Ten and two. Ten and two is an astronomical possibility. Ten and two could theoretically get you in college football playoff talking. Yes. Maybe not maybe not for Mizzou because the, the schedule is not too Well, you definitely will be in the SEC championship. It depends. Game. It, yeah. Well, no, it depends on what Georgia does, right? It, it really all depends on what Georgia does. Because honestly, when you look at Georgia, they're not playing Alabama this year. They could go undefeated. That is a let's see. What's that Georgia's is, schedule? They got they've got Middle Tennessee this week. Then they've got Mizzou, then Tennessee, then Vandy, LSU, in Baton Rouge, admittedly, Florida, Kentucky, Auburn at home, UMass, and Georgia Tech. I see LSU and Auburn as problems for Georgia. I see LSU as a problem. I don't see Auburn as a problem. Um, I, I think Auburn's good, but LSU's better. Um... But there is a strong chance that the University of Georgia could go undefeated this season. You know? they, they The guys who they returned from last year, you look at guys like Jake Fromm, right? You look at guys like, uh, well, um, I think Justin Fields is a returner, right? Like, these people are great football players. Fromm, in general, can almost carry your whole team. But whether Mizzou goes 10-2, and 9-3, and 8-4, whatever the record is, you have to admit going 9-3 or maybe hard-ass 10-2 is not bad at all for this program. Not bad at all. It's great for this program. Are you kidding me? That's the best the Tigers have done in years. Oh my gosh, if we went ten and two, there'd be like there'd be parties on campus. We'd like we'd line the streets. We'd have a victory parade. Heck, I think we'd raise a banner. You can We actually did something against competition. Against against the SEC, you know. But uh, anyway, so we're we're running out of time here on KNC Sports. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be at, we'll be back. Next week, same time, same place. So uh, make sure you tune in and for all of your sports talking goodness. Hope you have a great day. It's going to be a great day here in Columbia. The weather is absolutely phenomenal. I hope the weather is phenomenal where you are as well. So enjoy your day. I hope, hope it is a pleasant one. Have a great rest of your week. Remember to tune in to KCOU on Saturday for Sports Saturday. And, you know, all the shows on there will help build, build you up to the Tigers' big matchup against Purdue. That kickoff is at 6.30, so Tiger pregame live is going to start at 5.30 on Saturday. What's your score prediction for Purdue? I think the Tigers are going to win 30, no, no, 40 to 17. I'm going to say 37 to uh, 15. All right. Well, there we go. There's our predictions. And that's all we got. Have a wonderful week. Have a wonderful day. And we'll see you uh, when we see you.